Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi. Witness me! Today we're going to be playing Radlands, designed by Daniel Pichnik. The many artists are Lena Cossette of Brass Birmingham, Santorini, Charterstone, Steampunk Rally, Unfair, Grim Forest, Tidal Blades, Damien Memolidi of also the Brass series, Tyrants of the Underdark, Role Player Adventures, and Manny Tremblay of Dice Throne and Wonderland's War. Uh, it was published in 2021 by Roxley Games. The game description, our tribe has water and they're coming for it, so we'll strike first. We thought if we hit hard enough, they'll go back home, but there is no home left. Ominous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, and the mechanics are action point, action cue, hand management, single loser game, take that, and variable player powers, and a single yeah, so loser this is the first game. Time we've, yeah, first time we've seen this one. Oh, a game which concludes when a single player loses. Uh, is yeah, this, so we've definitely played games with it, so. Yeah, is this um, only two player, or are we just playing two player? Uh, it is only two player. Okay. And the box art uh, is a white background with... Um, Mad Max looking silhouette, I guess, shadowy silhouette. Yeah, a, yeah, I'd buy that. Of a raider of some kind. And then uh, yeah. Radlands in like a painted. I'd say like an, yeah, like an 80s style, like neon font. Yeah, but almost like it's got like a paint strokes doing it. So that's kind of yeah. interesting. And then the person has like goggles and some some tubes going up to his mouth and a mohawk. It's like your classic like Mad Max yeah. raider classic spikes all over it all right uh, based on all this would you pull it off a shelf i mean i like the the aesthetic of the cover um with, with like the colors and the silhouette and stuff so I, th I think i might uh the the description's a little intriguing i'd probably pull it off a shelf just because it looks unique i don't know if i'd play it because usually that mad max post-apocalypse isn't quite my thing but um it looks pretty cool i like the colors and the it's the design is really good, I think. Yeah, I'm always intrigued because uh, this is a game that you put on the list. And so I'm always intrigued when we get to this section and you're just kind of like, like you picked it and you put it on the list. And then we get to the would you pick it up? And you're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> One, I put a lot of games on the list just because I go through like, you know, what's hot for the year and just yeah. known games. And then two, I think we just needed a two player game. <laughs> and the other ones were like heavy war games. So yeah. There's a lot of that I put on the list that I would not choose to play. Um, yeah, which is fine. I think we need games like that on the that we yep. look at. Yeah, otherwise we'd just be playing stuff that we know we're going to like and it's not very interesting. All right. How do I think it's played? Um, yep. OK, with that description, uh, it all revolves around water. We've got some actions An action cues. Interesting. Is that like programming? Like we're going to queue uh, up yeah, actions? Yeah, I think generally. Okay. Yeah, you queue up actions and do them. Yeah, so yeah, so a little I'm going to have program. a plan. I'm going to strike first. So I'm going to come at you so I can get your water. But you're going to be coming after my water. And I think it's going to play out. Kind of like, um, you know, uh, I mean, I guess it's a two-player hand management card game. So it's kind of like, like the description list makes me think just like magic. But yeah, I mean, that would be a great description of a game. Or uh, one that we played recently was Android, Android Netrunner. Runner. Yeah, so I guess something along those lines. But um action points is a little different because usually you have cards not so maybe i guess you're playing cards to execute an action 
and you can do a certain number of cards per round based on some sort of point system. It's like I got five points. I can play a total of five worth of card value to uh, execute an action list. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Also, water. Like a like a book of Eli situation. Yep. So here's where I ask, uh, did you prepare any history? Um, yeah, sort of. Uh, we're going to find out. Okay. So, so the history of the book of Eli, go. That would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So I, I was like, well, Radlands, I assumed it was a radiation post-apocalypse, like nuclear war type type one. So I looked up uh, stuff on the Manhattan Project. Ooh, okay. Uh, so during that project, there were three nuclear cores assembled. Uh, the first two obviously used as bombs, didn't need the third. So uh, they wanted to do some more testing on it. Scientist group there. Uh, so a nuclear pour, a nuclear core is like the spherical plutonium and gallium round thing that I, I don't know. You may have seen it in like various like media. I think it's kind of shows the core sometimes. Right. Um, and the third core became known as the demon core because it killed people. I mean, technically didn't all of them. <laughs> Uh, the, it was known as the demon core because it killed the scientists working on it. Uh, uh, so nobody okay. wanted to work with it. So like in a nuclear explosion is when the, the core would go critical. And so they wanted to play with how close they could get it going to critical without triggering that state, I guess. But again, uh, seriously? Yeah, yep. Well, oh, it gets better. Um, so like oh the way to do that is to um, uh, so you want to bounce the neutrons that it's releasing back into it to sort of increase it towards a critical state. Uh, yeah. So a, a physicist named Harry uh, Dalian or Daglian was alone in the lab with the nuclear bomb. So, that, you know, good choice. Number <laughs> one right there. Yep. Building a shield of tungsten carbide bricks around the core. And these bricks would essentially reflect the uh, neutrons back at the core. And the, the goal was to get it as close to the critical capacity as they could get it. Uh, he dropped a brick on the core, which instantly <laughs> triggered it going into critical or uh, super critical and uh, dosed him with a lethal dose of radiation, which took 25 days to kill him. Oh, that's horrible. But that didn't dissuade them. No. <laughs> Less than a year later, they came up with a better idea that they were going to put a dome of beryllium over the core. Um, which would also kind of reflect the new neutrons back at it, but they needed a, a gap. So uh, let's find this man's name. Louis Slotten, who is a Canadian physicist, would uh, hold hold the dome over the core with one hand, and then you don't want to use a, your your exposed hand with the other one. So he had a screwdriver, and he would lift up the dome and create a little gap until his hand slipped. And he dropped the screwdriver and the dome came crashing down and it went super critical and then dosed him with a lethal dose of radiation. Uh, how did they him. stop it? Like, how did they like stop? Like, were there other people? You said the first dude was in there working alone. Like, who stopped it from like exploding? You know, it's classified. OK, that's fair. No, I, I just I don't know. It's, it doesn't say that's a good question, though. You're right. Like, assume that I mean, maybe because it was just the bricks. It wasn't like it probably like released a bunch of neutrons and then. I, it didn't explode. That's all I know. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I, I don't know enough about you know nuclear science to sure give <laughs> you yeah. a good answer. That's fair. But I guess whatever they were doing wasn't was enough to make it go like critical for a little bit, but then it like stabilized afterwards. But yeah. So uh, at that point, they uh, they stopped working on this thing, and I think eventually the demon core was melted down and used in other 
uh, nuclear stuff down the line. But uh, science yeah, was crazy just... back then. <laughs> I actually went back and I looked because I was super curious because uh, the rule book has some um, uh, T.S. Eliot quotes. Okay. Um, and so I was I was curious to see, like, when was the first like post-apocalyptic literature? Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously it goes back to like super early days because like uh, like Ragnarok is post-apocalypse, uh, you know, the, the end of days in Christianity. And then, you know, there's lots of like. Buddhism, Islam all have like a similar kind of like apocalyptic type of thing. And then even in the Bible, their story, you know, like Noah, that would be post-apocalypse. But like, uh, so Lord Byron in 1816 wrote a poem uh, called Darkness that talks about like the sun being blotted out and the temperature dropping and everybody like dying off from that. And that sort of started this like post-apocalyptic last man type of stories um and mary shelley the author of frankenstein Mm -hmm. uh she wrote one with like an actual like plague infestation and then my favorite one was um richard jeffrey's after london which was written in 1885 and the first like three chapters just describe how nature has retaken england and then it goes into the story of the people who survived uh this post-apocalyptic event then trying to like survive in this quasi medieval like setting now. Um, so I, I didn't realize that it went like back that far. And then obviously it got super popular and super big in the, the late forties and early fifties after, you know, all the nuclear stuff. So it yeah. kind of ties into yours too. Uh, and then it got real big after that. So, but I didn't realize that it went back that far to the early 1800s. Yeah, Literature wise, obviously it goes back way further with religion. All right. How do we play this thing? Yeah. How do we play? Okay. So in Radlands, we are tribes that have to protect three of our camps. Uh, The player able to destroy all three of their opponent's camps is the winner. The main resource is, do you want to guess? Water. Water. Yep. Uh, And we'll use that to uh, play people, events, and abilities. Um, So people protect camps and provides abilities while events are powerful but take time to pay off. The first player is boringly chosen by flipping the water token. Um, If it lands water side up, the player that flipped goes first. Otherwise, the other player goes first. Um, uh, When was the last time you drank some water? I literally just took a sip. All right. So you get to go first. I think that's probably the best. Like who's who who most recently drank water? I think another good one would be like, who is the most recent to like waste some water? Because then you get to shame the person for wasting water. Mm, That's a good one. Probably also me. Yeah. Uh, Each player's turn is broken into three phases. So in the first one, it's events. So any events that you've played to your uh, queue, you're going to advance and resolve them. So if they end up on the one space, you're going to resolve the effect and then discard it. And then you'll advance all your other events forward one. The next step is going to be replenish. So you're going to draw a card from the the deck and it's a shared deck between the two of us. You're going to draw a card and you're going to collect three water discs uh, water is never carried over, so you'll always start with three, uh, with one exception. Whoever goes very first in the turn, their first turn, uh, they will only collect one water and not three. So from there, uh, we go into our actions. So players can then, in any order and in any number of times, as long as they can pay for things, uh, they can do the following. So they can play a card. So the two types of cards we'll have are persons and events. Uh, so people, uh, They'll have a a cost, a water cost. So you'll play them uh, to your board uh, in one of the columns and you'll put the water on them to show that they've been paid for. 
that sounds terrible to show that you've paid them. How about that? Um, so the columns are going to correspond to the camps. So basically if you, whatever's in the front of the column facing towards the enemy is the one that will be, uh, get hit. So if there's something in front of it, it's protected essentially. So people will protect camps and then people can also protect in front of them. So if there's, uh, only one person in a column, you can either place it in front of or behind so you can shift stuff around so it's not stuck where it's at for events there's going to be a water disc uh, amount shown in the top left so you're going to pay it and then you're going to put it in the action queue so there'll be a little bomb icon that tells you like hey this starts at three or two or one as long as there's not already an action in that queue spot then you can queue it up there um so that's one action. Your second one is you can draw a card. So you can spend two water to draw a card. You can junk a card. So you can discard a card and receive the junk effect based on the icon in the top left. And the junk effect will be stuff like gain water, do damage, uh, injure, stuff like that. Uh, you can take the water silo. So both of, both of us will have a water silo card on our side of the board. So we can spend a water to take that water silo and then we can discard it in a later turn in order to gain additional water. And then finally, we can use abilities. So both the people and our camps will have abilities on them. Uh, so we'll check to ensure that the card is ready. So basically, if it doesn't have water on it, then it's ready to be used. Uh, so we'll pay the cost for the action and then we get to use that action. And then uh, if it has a cost of zero, there's going to be a not ready token that we put on it. And then we'll resolve all the text and effects icons on the ability box. So then once your turn is over, you're going to um, take all the water and not ready tokens that you've played to your uh, people and camps and stuff, and you will put them back uh, and then it'll go to the other player. So player continues with each player taking turns until one player has lost all three of their camps. Um, the draw deck is a central deck for both players. So once it's depleted, we'll just shuffle it up of the discard pile to form a new deck. And if the deck is shuffled a second time, then the game ends in a draw. Um, there's a variable setup where we would choose, um, we would draw six camps and we get we would get to pick which three we have, um, but it does have a recommended um, set up in the beginning. So one of us is going to have the garage, the railgun, and the supply depot, and the other person will have the reactor, the cannon, and the victory totem. So, and those are all the rules. Let's play. We just finished a game of Radlands to recap. Kiwi had a cannon, victory totem, and reactor all destroyed, and I won with a railgun and supply depot standing and a destroyed garage. Winning strategy. Yeah, so winning strategy, um, shoot things with a railgun? Yeah, the railgun was much better than the cannon. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it cost more water, but like, I guess the fact that I could kind of just do damage on demand was, was pretty nice. Yeah, plus you didn't have to damage, like my cannon was only useful like certain times because it would damage itself right and then you'd have to repair it but if you didn't have a repair card yep. you were kind of out of a i feel like i just had more damage sources than you did so like when something was unprotected or you know some event happened i could capitalize on it where like you couldn't always do that because like one time you could have yeah. taken on my garage you just didn't have any damage cards so Yep. Yeah, exactly because they'd all been all been put back yep. yeah yeah I, I feel like i didn't you, I, I feel like you ended up with more people 
uh, than I did. Mm-hmm. And so I like my camps were just unprotected for longer. I think that was just kind of like luck of the draw. Yeah, I feel like there could have been a better. Well, I guess we'll get into that, but more like cards to start with to choose from. Because, yeah, if you get two cards at the start and they're both events, it's like, well, <laughs> goodbye camp. Uh, theme. Did you feel like you were uh, a Mad Max radioactive land water? Uh, no. no. Um, I feel like the theme was pretty much in the art only. Yeah, it's just like a tacked on. I mean, it's just like magic or anything. It could be whatever. But I mean, art, art and names of cards. So, I mean, it does like, OK, the railgun's cool garage. Your raiders are going out. But like I, it could have been, you know, your wombats going on patrol or something. I don't know. Oh, now I want a game where wombats go on patrols. <laughs> Yeah, it felt like I was playing cards and doing damage. Uh, table presence, though. Did what did you think of the art? I so I like the art. Um, I think it's got a cool like comic booky vibe. I feel like it goes with the the box art because um, like the the punks that you get to play. We, you know, we're playing on tabletop simulator, so this mat was I think a like a Kickstarter thing that you could add onto it. You definitely don't need it, um, but the cards are are pretty pretty bright so a little bit eye-catching so yeah i liked the art i thought it was i thought it was good yeah i really like the the color palette i guess <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put um, it um yeah it's again it's not really my style the whole like mad max thing but like they do look really cool um it's got those like neon colors uh even like just the art of the people and stuff it was, it's really cool like that one guy um vanguard i had out like yuri, yuri. Yeah, well, I like that Yuri Nevsky guy or whatever yeah, his was, name was yeah. that I had. Yeah, they're all just pretty. Good. I actually really, yeah, I like the art a lot actually. Um, yeah. And then it's it's a good card game where they're all displayed out on the table, so you kind of get to see them all, and it's kind of cool how your people are like protecting your camps and stuff. So yeah, it's I got like a pretty that, cool yeah. board layout. Um, mechanics. Uh, how did this compare to Android Netrunner? Because that was our recent play. Yeah. So I think our complaint with Android Netrunner was, is like, we didn't really, there was like so much stuff that kind of like went together that for a first play, it was like super hard to pick up. Mm-hmm. And since we didn't build the decks, um, you know, we didn't really know what was coming. Um, and there was, there was definitely some luck of the draw stuff there, but like even halfway through this game, I was thinking like, man, I'm really getting screwed and getting like no good people. But like, for some reason it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also liked the kind of the dual use cards that, you know, the card backs were, you know, just like nameless, you know, red shirts essentially <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that could just get taken out, but potentially you could get that card and be able to use like whatever it actually is. And the fact that we're sharing the same deck. So we both have like a, you know, if we played the game more and had like a better idea of what was in the deck. Like we might have a better clue of like the things that we could do as well. And like who's got what and, you know, not card counting, but you know, have a pretty, pretty good idea of like, Oh, if I can get this card, it's got good synergy with this other one. Yeah. I think it came down to complexity. Like Android Netrunner felt like it was a very deep game that like, I think we said, like we could see how it'd be fun if you played it a lot to know how it worked, but we had no desire to like play it enough to know how it worked. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like this was the opposite. Like, I was like, pretty quickly, I was like, I, I get it. I mean, I, I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure there's better, like, card combos and different things. But, like, I knew, picked it up quick enough to, like, play through a game. So, like, I feel like this is something you could just play with somebody who would like to play a card game. 
like this yeah. without having them to be like feel overwhelmed like even even magic can be like especially with this so many cards it's like yeah where do you start and then you play with somebody who has a perfectly curated deck and they just destroy you and you're like what but maybe this game gets there but it didn't feel like it on a first play it kind of felt like and i, and I wonder yeah and i wonder if that's a little bit like you know because you brought up magic the gathering and we've talked about android netrunner in both those cases you build your deck yeah so like you you know those synergies and there's no requirement to do that so like you pull out some of that since you don't build the deck they can't really do that kind of synergy so like everything kind of has to like work together with itself almost mm -hmm. It's like, it's like yeah. they've built the deck for you, but we're splitting that deck in half, which I think is interesting. There's like no learning curve to figure out how to make a working deck. It just works on its own. And like, yeah, yeah. you might lose some of the deep complexity, but, you know, for a, a lighter game that you could actually play with people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fair. Yeah. Rules. I, I think I kind of covered that. It was felt much quicker to pick up. Like I got water. I got people. I got a fence. Don't let the camps blow up. Like. Yep. Yep. Pretty straightforward. Uh, maybe there were some more symbols on like the um discards that we didn't get to, but uh I th I think we actually saw every sim every symbol. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I mean and then I guess it seemed pretty straightforward. Um Yeah, and I think even the icons like you know, we we looked them up like the first couple times that we used those icons, but I I felt like after we used them once or twice, like we were good. You know. Yep. They're uh, pretty the the damage ones were a little bit different because you have like a few different damage ones. But once you do them each once, it's like no big deal. Yeah. And they all like I, the nice part is, is they all play similarly. They just have like little tiny variations. So like damage can hit everything. Injure can only hit people and then destroy. You just take it right off the, the board. So it was pretty, pretty good. And, and the rule books laid out really well. Um, that kind of like super colorful art is they continues through it there are some like wasted pages but i think it just kind of helps build the theme which is just the art basically that builds the theme it's one of those things where like usually i'm irritated by that kind of stuff if the rule book is bad but the rule book was good so i didn't mind like the extra like comic-y type stuff yeah so i think so long as you can clearly tell like this is not a rules page like i can skip this one in my read through yep and you absolutely can yeah like I, I hate when it's there's fluff things, but they're kind of in the rules and you like you're trying to do a quick skim to find something and there's just all this other junk clogging it up. That's what yeah. drives me crazy. Uh, planner action. Like, yeah, it's a 1v1 card game. So it's all what are you going to play? What am I going to play? Oops, I forgot this event. Uh, you know, it's the back and forth like that. So. Yeah, and I I thought I thought I had at least one more turn, and then I realized uh, what event you had, and then I was like, oh, yep, I just lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, yeah, I kind of the same thing happened to me that turn prior because you'd played I forget an event that I forgot about, and it would have lo lost me a camp if you had been able to capitalize on it to but, capitalize on it. Yeah, and I just wasn't able to. Yeah, so yeah, I mean it's it's back and forth and trying to trying to figure out what people are going to be doing uh would you play it again yeah i you know i talked about like hey i got some really bad luck of the draw stuff but even like halfway through i was like man i'm really getting screwed on card draws but i still was having a good time mm -hmm. like I, I didn't feel like the game was against like Net, android netrunner i felt like you know because you clobbered me in that game <laughs> and mostly because i just had really bad card draws and like i just like i didn't know it was coming 
And so it just was like, nah, I didn't have a great time playing that. Even with the bad draws in this one, like I still had a really good time because I was paying attention to your stuff. I was looking at the art. I was reading, you know, the little blurbs and stuff. Like I, I felt like I was more into the game and I enjoyed it, even though I had bad draws. It also f- felt more swing. Like I thought for like if I you had been able like if you just had one more card and could take out my garage or whatever, we would have been in a much closer game. Yep. Um, so even with some bad draws, it still felt pretty close. Whereas I feel like Android Netrunner, I was like pretty much winning throughout it. Yeah, the, almost the whole time. Yeah. So like, and then on top of that, it was a 30 minute game. So it's like, have a bad hand. Yes. It's, it's kind of like magic. Like, right. You get a bad opening draw in magic. Sometimes you just lose and it's like, go to the next game. Like, yeah. And, and that I think that's the other piece. I think if this game had lasted another 15, 20 minutes and I just knew and I just continued to get bad yeah. draw after bad draw, I think I would change my mind. But if like every game is this short and this quick, like even if you have bad draws, like, you know, if we had more time to play, I'd be, I'd be like, hey, let's play again and mm-hmm. let's do the variable setup because the variable setup is going to change your camps, too. So you could get six super awesome camps that work really well together and you have to agonize over which three to actually play, or you could get, you know, five ones that don't work together. And then one that's just like, Oh yeah, I always take this one. And then you have to decide like what two non synergy ones do I take now? Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually would play it again. I said, normally this type of game isn't my game and this type of theme isn't my theme or my thing, but um, like it, it was just kind of fun. Like it just, was easy like i don't know how many times you played a lot like i don't think this would be like you know your your go-to game that you have a group and you go play tournaments in every week but yeah. it does seem like one there you could just and it's pretty lightweight it looks like so you just pull it out play it you could actually play it with new people um <laughs> it, it looks like you could play it in a relatively small space too i mean yeah it's really spread out here because of the way the play mat is set up but i feel like you could play it in a pretty pretty small space uh, so you don't need a lot of room to play it either. Yeah. So I don't know. And then you could actually just take it out, play with people like traveling around or, or doing, I don't know, different stuff. So it's actually surprisingly about better than I thought it was going to be. So uh, You know what? I read the rules and looked at it and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work for us because we played games that are similar and it hasn't worked for us. And it's just this one seemed to work. I felt like. Yeah, I don't know why. It's interesting. So uh, that was Bradlands. Uh, so if you have any other recommendations of games you'd like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says as he's in his, his uh, tripped out post-apocalyptic doomsday buggy. <laughs> he's just he's just like... Uh, Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We love hearing from hearing from you. Play more games. Water, witness me, shiny and crow. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Nothing's fucked. We're fine. So, raiders? Yep. Damages. I can't. <sighs> Okay, yep.